as we move towards the next part of our worship service this morning, there's just a few words that I have to share with us to connect this to what will be happening in just a few moments. The title of this very short homily is Do This in Remembrance of Me, and the question is why. The Bible says that for a good man, someone may lay down their life. May. But what we find in the person of Jesus is that he gives up the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me, that he lays down his life. We all know that death is a part of life on this earth. We know that. And the older we get, the more of a reality that that becomes. And yet Jesus, at the age of 33, he lays down his life to give you forgiveness. Now, you may be thinking, yeah, but he was going to be resurrected. But the truth is that Jesus had to wrestle with the fact that perhaps he would not. In the Old Testament, when, when people would bring a sacrifice to the temple, there was no resurrection for that animal. Jesus would be the ultimate sacrifice. And so I have to believe from what I read in the scriptures that there was possibly a, a moment in Jesus' life where maybe he thought, maybe I won't be resurrected. Yes, that's what the scriptures have told us. Yes, that is what my father has told me, but maybe it won't. See, none of us have had to face that. Jesus knew with a 100% certainty that he would be resurrected. That sacrifice doesn't count because it's not a sacrifice. If you're going through something and what you go through will be erased at the end, then it's not really going through anything because you don't have to do anything. And so this morning we find that our value to God is of an infinite nature that he would lay down his life. Jesus, death on the cross was costly for him. And so I want to ask you a few questions as we go through this. And I'm not making light of the situation. How much would you say is the value of a dirty tissue? Maybe two cents. But if you add the fact that that dirty tissue belongs to perhaps a, a movie star like Scarlett Johansson, what is the value of that? For someone, it was over $5,000. What would you consider is the value of a toilet? The average price, perhaps, is about $500 for maybe a good one. But you add the fact that it is a toilet that is owned by none other than John Lennon, and the value for that is about $15,000. I'm not making light of what we've experienced here. A chest x-ray probably costs somewhere in the neighborhood of $300. But if you add the fact that it is a chest x-ray of none other than Marilyn Monroe, how much would that be worth? Say somewhere in the area of $45,000. How much would you say is a Fender guitar? I don't know, a good one, maybe a $2,000 or so. But you add to the fact that it's Eric Clapton's and somebody might pay close to a million dollars. A 33-carat diamond ring, it's about right, $300,000. Add to the fact that it is a 33-carat diamond ring that belonged to Elizabeth Taylor, 
and the value is $3 million. And so I ask you this question. What is your worth and value in the hands of an infinite God? If these material possessions that rust and dust will destroy, how much worth and value do you have in the eyes of the God that created you? And the answer to me is that you have infinite worth. Regardless of whatever happens in this life, regardless of whatever difficulty you face, regardless of anything and everything that you will experience in your life, your value, your life was purchased at Calvary so that you would not have to die an eternal death. Regardless of what happens in this earth, as difficult and as tough as this may be, that does not compare to the worth and the value that God has for you. So you've been through a divorce. So you've been laid off. So you've experienced a deadly disease that that is leading you to your death. So you've experienced the worst. Your value does not change to God. You see, we often hear Christians say that I am not worthy, that I am wretched. Oh, wretched sinner that I am. I am a horrible person. I am a sinner. I am all of these bad things. And and to me, I'm thinking, man, Christianity makes us have a very bad self-esteem about ourselves. And although we may be wretched sinners, <laughs> we are worthy because God has deemed you worthy, which is why Paul addresses the Bible, the letters that he wrote to the saints at the different churches. You As long as you believe in Jesus and who he said that he is, you are a saint. That is biblical. That is theological. Are you still a sinner? Yes. But God only sees Jesus in you, and that makes you a saint. It is time that we begin to live as though we are saints. The scripture in Psalm 139 says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, which can be applied to any one of you here. This is a verse that is written for you. God, I believe that in his foreknowledge knew that this writer of Psalm 139 would phrase this in such a way that it would be a verse for you to champion and to claim that you, whatever you think about yourself doesn't matter. I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, I don't like my nose, I don't like my unibrow, I don't like my little ears, my big ears, I don't like any of this. You are fearfully and wonderfully made because it's not about what's on the outside, it's about who God has already formed you to be. Matthew 10.30 says that even the hairs of your head are counted. I don't even know how many hairs are on my head. But the scriptures and Jesus, what he's trying to show us is that the very smallest part of who you are is significant to God. You matter even if you don't feel like you do. In just a few moments, I'm going to be calling the elders, the current elders and the elders that are going to serve in 2012. There's a total of 11. These are the elders that the church You have nominated, voted, selected, and have made elders. And we are going to pray a special prayer of dedication for these elders. 
because they will be your leaders in 2012. And then a few moments after that, we're going to pray for all of the new officers. And we're going to ask you to fill the aisles if you're going to be serving as a deacon or a deaconess, if you're going to be serving as a greeter. If your name made it on that piece of paper that we voted a few weeks ago, we want you to come up as best you can. And the elders will be laying hands on you as a biblical way of showing that God's grace and blessing will go with you. And before we do that, I need to share this final text. Jeremiah sa- God says to Jeremiah, For surely I know the plans that I have for you, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then you will call upon me, come and pray to me, and I will hear you. This is a verse that is often taught to young people to say God has a plan for you. But that's not what God is trying to say here. This was a message to the entire nation of Israel that had been in exile. This was a message to an entire group of people who were God's people. And this morning, we read it with the same prophetic imagination as Jeremiah had, where God has a purpose and a plan for this church. And we know that if God is in control, God will call us out of our comfort zones and ask us to trust him and take a leap of faith even if we don't know that we will fall on solid ground. God is calling us to take a leap of faith even if there is no bottom. I know that sounds theologically wrong, but you get what I'm saying. God has a plan for the Orange Seventh-day Adventist Church, and it may cause us to leave our comfort zones. Actually, it will. If it doesn't, it's not from God. God is going to do something amazing in 2012 because God has done amazing things in 2011. Amen? I have seen faces on this platform that, from what I hear, never used to step up here. People who are shy, people who would never come up to the front, have made their way to this place, not because this is sacred, but because God is nudging each one of you to continue to do more. Next year, we don't want pew warmers. We want active participants, not just on Sabbath morning, but every day of the week. In a month or so, or less, I'm going to be meeting with the elders, and we're going to be having a weekend retreat, elders, for those of you that didn't know, where we're going to pray and pour over Scripture and really begin to ask God, where is he leading this church in 2012? But before that can truly, or before we can do that, there is another thing that we're going to do. A few weeks ago, about a month and a half ago, I was sent an article. And we're, we're wrapping up. I, we're wrapping up. I was sent an article by one of our new elders. And she says, you know, read this and tell me what you think. And it's about, it, it's called Operation Global Reign. It was in the Adventist World magazine. The North, and in the North American division, what the conference, the general conference is asking people to do is to spend, take 10 days to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your church, in your life, in your family life. Pray that God would pour out the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, God's already probably doing that, so perhaps the real question to do is, God, open my eyes to your Holy Spirit in my life. Because God is not a stingy God, and God is not saying, now you pray, now I'm going to pour out. But what we do when we pray is it changes and it shapes us. When we pray that God would pour the Holy Spirit in our life, what we're asking God to do 
is to fill this place and the individuals within it so that God would show us what he wants us to do in 2012. So we're doing this beginning January 4, at 7 in the morning and at 7 at night. No, you don't have to come here because I know that you all have to go to work and do all that stuff. But what we will do is at 7 o'clock, we will ask all of you, 7 a.m., 7 p.m., to pray. Now, one of the powerful things that I just, I feel God is leading me to do is that for those 10 days, I'm going to see if one of the new elders, including myself, will be willing to be here at the church. Or maybe we have a prayer warrior team now. I don't know if you knew that, but we have a prayer warrior team in 2012 who's going to be praying for every one of the families that is here, not just members, but everybody who comes into this church. They will be praying. And I'm going to ask the elders and the prayer warriors that at 7 p.m. every night, if there's able to, we're going to have someone here. Look for the emails. Talk to each other. Gossip that, okay? Gossip if we'll have it, and you'll know. And we pray for the church and for its leaders, for the elders, for the deacons, for all of the church. Where is God leading us? And also pray for God to pour out the Holy Spirit in your life. After 10 days, I know there will be a difference. And God will lead us faithfully. So at this moment, I want to ask the elders, both current elders and the ones that will start effective uh, 12 a.m. <laughs> tonight, um, to come up. And, and I want to pray a special prayer for you. So all of the elders, please come on up now. And um, if we can come together, I'm going to ask you to kneel if you're able to. If you can't kneel, um, that's okay. But I'm going to ask you to kneel. Current elders, lay hands on someone new. And, um, and we're going to pray a special prayer of dedication for them. God, you have tasked these men and women not just to call them elders, but to be the elders, the spiritual leaders of this church. God, 2011, you called upon the right group of men to lead this church, and now you are calling up even more. And so, Lord, we pray a special prayer of blessing. God, we know that um, the enemy lurks like a roaring lion. And each one of us knows all of the temptations that are in the world that are around us. We know all of our weaknesses, God. We all know all of the things that will distract us from doing this job well. But this morning, Lord, I pray a special prayer that you would chase the evil one away from these men and women, that you would fortify them with your armor, that you would make them courageous men and women of God, that they would walk with you every day, especially when it's hard to. I pray for a double portion of your Holy Spirit on these men and women. God, you have raised these leaders up now, and we pray that you will make them strong, courageous, that as we lead together Orange Seventh-day Adventist Church in 2012, that we would see the blessing of your fruit, that we would see people give their lives to you. God, we pray that, we that these elders would be a faithful group of men and women who will bridge the gap and that they may provide strength. Bless them, give them a double portion of your Holy Spirit, and may the church receive them well. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And now, as we bring almost to a close, we're going to ask all of you who are serving this year, and I know that's going to be most of you, and that's a good thing. We want to see the whole church next year up here because we're going to pray a special prayer of blessing for you. So if you're serving 
a Sabbath school, if you're serving as a deaconess or a deacon, anything you're serving, greeter, we want you to come up here now, and the elders are going to lay hands on you and pray a special prayer of dedication. Everybody who is serving, please come on up as we pray. Please do it now. Elders, um, if you will just kind of disperse around. New elders, you're, you're officially activated. Um, other elders, you're activated still. And just lay your hands on someone, everybody who is serving in this church in any way. I won't ask you all to kneel. It may be a little, you can't. No, I said I won't ask you unless you can. All right, let's do it. Why not? God will sustain us. I'm memorizing your faces so that we can ask you to serve next year. Will you bow your heads with us? God, look at your church. We are here to serve each one of us. God, for some of the people who are up here now, it is their first time doing something in this new capacity, and they may be afraid, they may be timid, but Lord, we pray that you will fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you would take away any fear or any trepidation. God, that they would be able to see how much of a blessing it is to serve you. There are some here, Lord, who feel like they are going to have to give more than what they're willing to. And for those people, Lord, I pray that you would show them that when we serve, you give us so much more in return. Help us to work together as a team. We have eaten of your body, Lord, and now we are a part of this one body together. May you bless Orange in a special way in 2012. We know that you will, and we claim that promise now. And one year from now, Lord, we will see the blessing and the fruit that you have brought upon this church. Make these men and women strong and courageous. May they walk daily with you. Keep them close, Lord, and guard them and their families from the evil one. May we be a church that is faithful to you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's do a round of applause for God, for God this morning. God is going to do some amazing things. Some of you who have been here, I've heard the stories and I've heard that God has done amazing things in the past and God will do even more amazing things. Ten days of prayer, October, uh, January 4 through January 14, 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., a prayer for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so now I'm going to ask... That as we bring this service to a close, um, I just want to remind the deacons and deaconesses to stay back uh, here in the front. Everybody else, you guys can, you know, go where we go because we need to have a quick meeting. And um, let's just pray one last time. God, I am, I am blessed to have the calling to be at this church. And Lord, this prayer is for me as it is for all of my friends here. That you would show us the way clearly that where there is a leap of faith required, that you would raise these elders to be the ones that go before us. And God, we pray that you would open our eyes to your reality. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming. We'll see you again next Sabbath.